The following is a sponsored program paid for by First Alliance Credit Union. Welcome to Good Money Moves featuring Jenna Tobble from First Alliance Credit Union and Andy Brownell. Here's Andy Brownell on Rochester's News Talk, 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. Welcome to Good Money Moves on News Talk, 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. I'm Andy Brownell, and again this week, joined by Jenna Tobble and Michelle Dodd with First Alliance Credit Union. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Andy. Last week, we talked about the, how we're going to save money and pay off debt at the very same time. Turkey. So, <laughs> I understand we're going to do things a little bit differently this week. And uh, Jenny, you sent over a list of a bunch of what seems to be random questions. <laughs> yes. Yes. We are um, going to be switching up the format a little bit today. Um, I thought it would just be really good for us to kind of cover some common but basic money and kind of financial information that doesn't really need an entire episode to cover the any one topic, but is still really important for our listeners to know about and to be able to understand um, some of the terminology to just help them more successfully navigate managing their money day to day. So that's kind of what this is. It's just uh, a grab bag of information. Okay. Financial Literacy 101. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Sounds, well, it should be fun, right? Yeah. Jump right into it. This is, so I guess I'm quizzing Michelle, kind of, right? Yes, it's a test. <laughs> <laughs> what is the difference between a wire transfer and an ACH transfer? I think that's actually a great question because wire transfers don't happen that often for people. So it's something that might come up once or twice, but it's not a super common thing. So um, to define it's probably a really good idea. So a wire transfer is a way to electronically move money from one bank or financial institution um, from like my account to someone else. So a lot of times people use this for large dollar amounts. They might be purchasing a home and wire closing costs, or they might be sending money overseas. Um, a wire can be done nationally or internationally. So you might be sending money to someone you know overseas. And like I said, it's usually a large dollar amount um, and it's a one-time thing. So the transfer happens, it's done, and it doesn't happen again unless it's requested to happen again. Um, an ACH transfer on the other side of that um, is a lot more common. We see this very often. So think of ACH as it stands for Automatic Clearinghouse. And really, you're sending money from one institution to another, both accounts you happen to be on. So um, let's say I buy a car from a dealership, um, and I use their lending there. I have that loan payment to make every month. I can just set up an automatic transfer to go to my loan with their institution on a monthly basis, and it will come automatically out of my account and go to that. So it's a way to electronically move money. Um, might be pay, paying pro, um, excuse me, payments um, or paying bills, or just maybe I've got that savings account that I don't want to have at the same financial that everything else is, so I can keep it a set aside, and I just send $25 a month to a savings account with my own name on it. So this is when I set it up and they asked me for the routing number and all of that, right? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, you know, the, the timing on them is a little bit different. So a wire transfer, usually um, someone will come in, they want a wire sent out the same day. Wire transfers usually have a cutoff time, and that's because they have to they have to do a clearing process. So let's say we send a wire from here at First Alliance. That wire has to go out by 4 o'clock in the afternoon to be accepted by the other institution the same day. So there's kind of timing things. I always tell people, if you're going to wire money and you want it the same day, the sooner in the day that you do it, the better. 
um, there's we can't guarantee timing because as the wire transfer comes in, most institutions have an accounting department that then once the wires come in, then they post it to the account. And I never want to tell someone that I know the timing of someone else's job on when they're going to be able to post that. But usually same day, if not next day. Um, there is a fee to do that. So a lot of places will charge for wire fees. Um, ours, ours range from 15 to 30. People can do this online themselves. That's a cheaper option. Or we can do it for them. Um, those are for um, domestic transfers. International wire transfers can cost more at some institutions as well. There's other fees for those. Um, ACHs take a little longer to set up. So with an automatic um, ACH transfer, that usually can take a few days to up to a week. We always tell people it's good to at least have a week before you expect something done. So if it is that loan payment, if it's due tomorrow, that's not going to probably make make the time frame. So pay that one, and then we'll set it up for the next month. Um, there's not a cost for doing that, though. People can just set those up pretty easily. And then to end up canceling that, um, they have to send us a, or come sign to cancel that as well, because we won't cancel it just because their loan is paid off or they don't want to do it. They just need to sign for that. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing with both a wire transfer and an ACH, it is brutally important, vitally important that we have their wiring instructions or that routing and account number. Um, we count on our members to have the correct information because if they don't, that could that could mess up the timing of something happening because it would be returned as if we didn't have the correct information. Okay, this is kind of I'm probably just projecting some sort of anxiety I have or a nightmare. <laughs> You do a wire transfer? Can it be recalled? Um, yes I, and no. <laughs> maybe. How do you like a, how do you like a, ha, a, no, a solid maybe? Well, because my <laughs> scenario is, oh, you know, you push the button and it's gone forever and I made a mistake and it went to the wrong place. Yep. So a wire transfer does come out of the account right away and we say it's guaranteed funds. So we won't send it from here unless you're, the funds are available and clear in your account to send. Once it's sent, it is gone. There are ways that we, as financial institutions, can try to get that money back, working on the back end of things, but there's no guarantees to that. So that's why it's vital that you have that information. I know here, the system we have set up, um, when you give us that routing number, we type it in, and it's going to tell us what financial institution that is. And we say, you know, I'll say to the person, is, are you <laughs> sending it to such and such a place? Yep, I am. So um, in all my years, I've only seen one wire have to be recalled. Um, and I'll be honest, it was it was mine. I had made a mistake on one and sent it for the wrong amount. Um, it was international, and we ended up getting the money back when I didn't think we would. So I, I've seen it happen, but I won't ever <laughs> guarantee it. I was very nervous. I worked at a different institution at the time. I was very nervous because I made the mistake and got very lucky. We got it back. <laughs> True confessions. True confessions, yes. <laughs> I am human. <laughs> Is there, I mean, should I prefer one over the other? Um, no, I don't think so. I think it's, it's, they're different. They use different purposes. Like I said, a wire transfer is maybe something you don't do very often, once or twice in a lifetime. Um, I'm buying a cabin somewhere else, and I'm closing on a loan somewhere else, and I need to send some money for a down payment. And it's a large amount. Um, it's, it's a lot less common than the typical ACH transfer. Okay. Those are usually smaller dollar amounts. So I mentioned the routing number earlier. That yeah. And tied in with ACH business. Maybe just explain the differences between the account number and the routing number and how that all works sure so every financial institution has a routing number some have more than one but we won't get into that so a routing number is a nine digit account number basically that identifies the financial institution 
So every financial institution has a different one, and they're kind of by region where your Federal Reserve is, is how they're given out. And I don't know that members need to remember that, but um, the the routing number plus your account number is how places identify which financial and which account money goes into. So your account number would be whatever your account number is. It's it's um, Here it's a 12-digit number. That's not for every financial institution, but they're usually pretty long. Um, and that identifies specifically. So if someone sends something to my to the routing number for First Alliance in my account, that's how I know it's going to get into my account at First Alliance. If it's a routing number for a different institution, it's going to go to that account number at that institution. And where you find this, typically where people would find this is on the bottom of their checks. For those that have seen checks before, a routing number is in the MICR encoding along the bottom, those funky looking numbers I like to call them. Um, the routing number is going to be on there, nine digits. The account number will be on there, and the actual check number is also on the bottom. Okay, so that begs the question: Why the weird number? You know, the weird font. Um, you know, I don't really know why the weird font. It's called <laughs> Micker. It's called Micker encoding. Um, it kind of delineates so the little. I don't even know what you'd call them. The little blurps in between right. the routing and account number is just so it's. I suppose in the Federal Reserve system, it's what separates those numbers from each other. Okay. Well. That's, that's my best guess, I guess. <laughs> well, your guess is probably pretty good. Yeah. So with, with writing counters, the reason they're important is for things like direct deposit. Or if you're setting up those automatic transactions, when you, you know, have the routing and account number, you can set it in. So I don't know if you remember back in the day when you have, used to have a give a voided check to work. Right. Um, so they'd have that. Well, you don't have to do that. We can print out. We have a direct deposit form, which will put the routing and account number on there for you. You can give that, save your check, um, and give that to the um, HR department. Is it really crucial to keep those numbers safe? Or I because mean, it seems like they're on the bottom of your check. They'd be everywhere. Mm, they are kind of everywhere. Um but I don't know if people write as many checks anymore. That's true, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the routing number isn't necessarily like a big secret. We have it listed right, right. on the bottom of our website. It's really, you just want to be always, always, always be careful with your account number because that's where people can do damage is when they have both of those numbers together. Um, just like with any, any you know, private type information, you want to be careful with it and don't just leave your checkbook laying out and public places or you know keep it safe and do be smart about it but at the end of the day you do need those two numbers together sometimes so but it's just about making sure that you're paying attention to who you're giving that information to and for why okay we are covering a potpourri of financial <laughs> related information today <laughs> on good money moves it's all about financial literacy and that's what we're doing and we'll continue right after this quick break on news talk 1340 carol cam and 96.9 fm good money moves continues in moments with andy brownell and jenna tobble from first alliance credit union this is news talk 1340 carocam and 96.9 fm we're talking Good Money Moves with Andy Brownell and Jenna Tobble from First Alliance Credit Union on Rochester's News Talk, 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back to Good Money Moves. Andy Brownell here on News Talk, 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM, along with Jenna Tobble and mm -hmm. Michelle Dodd with First Alliance Credit Union. And um, I don't know what we're going to cover today because... Jenna's put together a seemingly random list of questions for me to ask, so I'm going to jump right back into it and pull one out of the hat. <laughs> what Keeping is the, everybody on their toes today. Yeah. What's the difference between a credit card and a debit card? Oh, this is a good one. Um, well, let's start with a credit card. So 
a credit card, think of it as like a little mini loan um, that you can have set aside and you can use it whenever you want and you can pay it back monthly. So credit cards usually come with a limit of how much you can spend and that limit is really based on how you've paid others in the ba- in the past and how you use how you use your credit. Um, you can pay the money back all at one time or you can make monthly payments to your credit card and then you can when you pay it off you can borrow it again. So nice little mini loan that you can have for yourself. Um, now a credit card has an interest rate on it. So you have to think of a credit card as kind of a little, um, the interest is kind of a little mini fee for service. So a credit card company allows you to use their card. Maybe you don't pay it back every month. And if you don't pay it back every month, then you're going to pay interest, which is your fee for service. That's them allowing you to use their money for a time frame, and therefore you're paying that interest fee back. Um, the thing to watch for is some places charge more for that little mini service fee than others do. So you really want to be careful and and pay attention to how much interest you're paying on those credit cards. Yeah, sometimes it's not so mini when you start looking <laughs> at it. <laughs> um, debit card, on the other hand, is something, um, this dates me a little bit, but when I came into my adult years, we wrote checks for everything. And somewhere along the line, debit cards took over as the form of payment. So a debit card is attached to your checking account, and it's a method of paying, just like a check would be. So instead of writing out a check, which takes an eternity, the last time I wrote out a check, to fill it all in, you just use your debit card, run that through with a PIN number that you've been assigned or you've chosen, and that's how you buy things on a daily basis. So transactions for a debit card will usually post the same day or the next day. Um, Unlike the old times of a check, you had to wait for that check to clear. So if you think about it, Using a check, you would have had to write the check, write that down in your check register, wait till your statement came, see if a check cleared, and then balance it. Well, things go a little faster these days. You use your debit card, you watch your transactions as they come through in online banking, and you always have a current and up-to-date balance of where your checking account is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's just kind of a way to a way to make life run work, I guess, smoothly. So when is First Alliance Credit Union going to be at the forefront? And change it from a debit a checking account to the debit card account. Mm. Uh, sure, we'll start tomorrow, Andy. That's a great. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Well, it is true though. We hardly ever write checks, and that account is more tied to my use as a debit card than anything yeah. else. Yeah, but we yeah. think of it as a checking account still. Yeah. And you know, we get members in here all the time that say, you know, use it from my my debit account. So, I mean, I think there are people already using that terminology of their own because they don't know any different. So is there any sort of guideline or, you know, recommendation of when it's time to use the credit card or when it's time to use the debit card, when I should be making that decision? So really, I think it's kind of an individual decision on how you do it. So I actually, um, knowing what questions Jenna was going to ask, I kind of surveyed a few people here. So really, you know, a debit card to me is is used for everyday purchases, where a credit card is more for like case of emergencies or I'm going to take a trip and I need to book it on a credit card. Um, Some people will, someone that I work with here, a coworker, said that he uses his credit card for all daily purchases because he has a rewards card. So he does that and at the end of the month he pays it off so he doesn't pay any interest, yet he reaps the rewards. Now that's a great thing if you're disciplined. Or if you have started that way. I know my husband and I recently tried it and it drove me crazy because the credit card balance kept going up and I kept paying it. But I was trying to pay it almost daily so I knew it was in my checking account. 
So that I would think, drive you crazy. Yeah, it did. Um, so we went back to just using the debit card, and I'll use the rewards card for my travel. But I think, you know, each person does it differently. But I think most people will define it as the debit card is your day-to-day purchases and transactions. The credit card is maybe something bigger, a larger purchase you want to make. Um, that new TV that you want to take a couple months to pay back is kind yeah. of a good one to think of. Um, one big thing between debit cards and credit cards that I think um, everybody needs to know when you are um, getting a hotel room and you're using a card to hold a room or a rental car, I always tell people to do that with a credit card. It doesn't mean you need to pay for it with a credit card, but to hold it because um, hotels and car rental places can put a hold on what they think you're going to spend. So let's say I use my debit card and I think I'm going to stay at a hotel for a night. That hotel might say, well, she might stay Saturday night too, so we're going to hold $200. And then those funds are not available to me to spend in my checking account. Where the credit card, I don't really ever see that. But a a debit card, you might see that difference. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I just didn't know that. Yes. So always when you're holding, booking a room or booking a car, no matter how you're going to pay for it, hold it with a credit card. And you mentioned the person you knew who had the reward card and paid it off every Mm -hmm. month. I read a statistic someplace, and I wish I could remember the exact number, but it's a really, really scary number. It's like 90-some percent of people who won't do that. (laughs) So it's kind of a rare bird that actually is able to have the discipline to do that. Yeah, I'm jealous of people that have that discipline. I think I think it'd be hard for me too if I put everything on there to, at the end of the month to be like, "Whoa, is that how much money I spent? That's crazy." <laughs> yeah, I'd rather nickel and dime myself than see it all in front of my face like that. <laughs> yep, exactly. Me too. <laughs> all right. So we mentioned the checking account, the debit card account, mm-hmm. and then of course there's a savings account. Is there a difference, and what is the difference? Oh yes, big difference. So savings account really is to be used to put money away to save for, say, a special occasion or that emergency fund that you want to have. Um, That's money you should think of a savings account as set aside for future use. Your checking account is more of your day-to-day money, your money that's coming in out of the account, going out of the account. So where your direct deposit goes into, where your bills come out of. So that's why that debit card is attached to that checking account. And there is... Um, a little difference that there is between the two is um, the Federal Reserve considers a checking account a transaction account, and that's where money should come in and out of, where a savings account is more of a stationary account. So if you go over six transactions automatically from your savings account, like paying bills or moving money around electronically, you can see fees for that because that's not how a savings account is supposed to be used. It's supposed to be used for the purpose of savings, not transactional. Okay, so why should I why should I have both? Why don't I just have a checking account? Yeah. So I think having both makes it easier to separate the money that you have, whether you want to save it or spend it. Um, one of my coworkers, I asked this question too, had a great idea. She says she takes everything in her checking account the night before payday. Any extra money that's there, she moves that immediately to her savings account because her payroll is what she has to spend for the next two weeks. So I love it, that idea. Uses, I do, I'm going to do this. I'm totally going to do this. It's a different way to budget, that's for sure. <laughs> it is. It's just like, hey, I didn't use, because some months you use a lot of money, some months you don't use as much, and you just build your savings up. It also, and we all know our payday, so. It also forces you to keep track of your money. Exactly, which is not a bad thing. No, it's not. <laughs> okay, we're talking about a lot of stuff. 
Financial literacy, things you need to know if you're going to uh, manage your money. On Good Money Moves, we'll be back in a moment on Newstock 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good Money Moves continues in moments with Andy Brownell and Jenna Tobble from First Alliance Credit Union. This is News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. We're talking Good Money Moves with Andy Brownell and Jenna Tobble from First Alliance Credit Union on Rochester's News Talk, 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning and welcome back. It's Good Money Moves. Andy Brownell here on News Talk, 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Jenna Tobble's here as well. Michelle Dodd, both from First Alliance Credit Union, of course. And we're covering a variety of different financial terms, I don't know, issues. Topics. Topics. That's better. I like that, Jenna. Thank you. <laughs> Topics. So when we were talking about interest rates earlier with credit cards, you always see them advertised and they use the term APR and APY. What are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, this one is um, a little more difficult of a concept, but I, hopefully I can explain it okay. Um, So let's talk about annual percentage rate, APR. An annual percentage rate takes into account the fees and other costs associated with a loan or investment, and it calculates all the costs of that loan, including any fees, miscellaneous costs, and the actual interest rate. So it's quoted by a lender as an interest rate that you pay over the life of that loan. So if I take out a car loan for five years, and I'm going to pay it monthly, then the APR or the annual percentage rate is how much I'm going to pay over that lifetime. If I pay that loan off in three years, my annual percentage rate will have changed and gone down because I paid it off early and didn't go through the whole term. Okay. That's a crucial number, though, when you're taking out a loan to know. Crucial number, yes. An annual percentage yield, an APY on the other side, calculates interest rates that are factored into um, the frequency of compounding. So one way to look at it is an APR is used for loans. So total loan interest paid on a loan. An APY is used for more like savings and CDs. It's the total interest you earn on an account. So Including the, reason the compounding. Yes, okay. yes. And the reason that you see that is there's, I don't know if it's a regulation or years ago I learned that we needed to quote both. Um, a rate and a yield on like certificates so that members and customers are allowed to compare apples to apples. So if, you know, this bank, you know, U.S. banks quotes this rate, then they also need to give the yield so that we can compare and see if there's any differences and so that people can have a clear understanding of what they're getting into without hidden fees. Yeah. Okay, so you're telling me that if I'm going to park my money someplace, pay attention to the APY, mm-hmm. not, not the interest rate that's being offered. Right. Correct. Okay. So, obviously, I, I think I've got this. You're going to typically see the APR when I'm applying for a loan and the APY when I am putting money into a savings account, a CD, or some other sort of, sort of instrument. Right. Correct. Yep. Correct. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I love this. I'm gonna, I, I pulled this out while you were talking. I love this question. Why do banks allow you to even overdraft in the first place? <clears throat> and then charge you a fee for it. (laughs) All right, so overdrafts. So really an overdraft means that you've spent more money than is actually in your checking account, um, and therefore you have a negative balance if that transaction goes through. So 
there's different ways that financial institutions do this. So I can speak for First Alliance. We have something called courtesy pay. People opt into courtesy pay or they opt out of courtesy pay. The reason you opt into it is so that if something comes through in your account and there's not enough money in the account, it gets paid for you. As a courtesy, we pay that transaction for you. We do charge you a fee for that courtesy, but what we save you from is getting a fee on the other end. So if I, have a, if I write a check and it comes through and it gets sent back as non-sufficient, it goes back to the finan other financial institution where whoever I paid banks, and now they're going to get a fee on their side of it. Or there's going to be a fee on both ends. So as a courtesy, we make it so you only get one fee for that. Okay. So in other words, you as a financial institution cover it short term. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there's we're a essentially limit on our courtesy pay. Yeah. We're, we're essentially kind of lending you that money to make sure that your bills are paid. You don't have to worry about, you know, getting declined at the store when you're trying to buy groceries or trying to, you know, make sure that you're rent is paid a, a day before you maybe get paid yep. it's just kind of that nice little buffer but we are still lending you that money which is why there is that kind of that okay fee involved. Can I, other ways to do it where i won't get charged a fee sure so the couple other things that you could do um so that's probably the highest dollar amount you pay in terms of the fee but like we have offer lines of credit so a line of credit something you can have attached to your checking account and it kicks in when there's not enough funds available this will automatically happen so um Something comes through, there's not enough funds, I'm not going to get paid. You know, today's the first, my bills are due. I want them to come out, but I don't get paid till the 5th. I have a line of credit on my account. It's going to kick in, it's going to cover anything that comes through. For that line of credit and for that to happen, there's an interest. It comes with an interest rate. So I'm going to pay interest on that money, kind of like what we talked about with the credit cards, a fee for service. Um, and then I can pay that back. So what I've learned in my lifetime of having a line of credit, because this is my option, is that if I have things due on the 1st, they still get paid on time, so I don't get any late charges. But if payday isn't until the 5th or the 6th, once payday comes, I just pay my line of credit back, and the interest on that is usually less than a dollar, because it's a small percentage of what's there. What's and a short used. amount of time, too. And a short amount of time. So to me, that's a better option than a courtesy pay flat fee. Um, it's a little cheaper way to do it. Now, a line of credit is something that you need to apply for and get approved for. Um, but that's that's a very common thing, and to me, it's a cheaper option than the courtesy pay. Okay, can I set it up, like, just to come right out of my savings because I've got enough money, but I just made a mistake? It is like you read my mind, yes. Um, <laughs> that, is the, that is the other option, is to have it pull from the savings account to cover. Now, keep in mind, savings isn't transactional, so if you do that more than six times that it covers, there could be other fees for that as well. Okay, the Federal Reserve mandates it. That's right. It's regulation that we all follow, all financial institutions. Okay, let's say I choose not to have any of these options, and I so, still write a bad check. Right. So you write a bad check, it's going to come back. You're going to get a return charge, an NSF charge on, say, the First Alliance account you wrote it on, plus potentially you could get a fee from whoever you wrote the check to if it's for a bill or something. With a debit card, as we talked about debit cards kind of accounts and how that works, if you don't have the funds in your account when you go to use the card, your transaction will be denied. So how I explain it to people opening a new account is when you go to get groceries at Target and you get up there, if you don't have the money in your account, do you wanna put your groceries away and walk out of the store? Or do you just wanna have it get covered and you walk out of the store and figure out later what's going on in your account? <laughs> and, pay, and pay a hefty <laughs> yeah. fee. Yeah. 
So to me, that's a, that's a that's not a fun situation. No. I remember being somewhere <laughs> once, and I tried to use my debit card. This was years ago, and she said it won't go through. And I worked at a financial. I knew I had funds in my account, and I said, "Well, why won't it go through?" And she said, "You must not have any money." And my neighbor was standing in line right behind me, so <laughs> super embarrassed. And then I said, "Well, would you take a check?" Because I still carried it, that one check at the time. And she said, "Sure." So I wrote the check, and I kind of under my breath said it's from the same account, and I walked out of the store, and it was very rude of me. But at the same point, it was, and then I came back to work the next day and found out that the visa system had been down the night before at that time. Oh, very so, but it was it was a terrible experience, and I I thought many times after that is I would never want to be in that situation if I have a way around it. Right. And like my line of credit is attached to my debit card as well. So if I run a transaction that's not there, my debt, my line of credit kicks in. So I think of that as the big, that saves me. That's my coverage. And I get a notice every time it kicks in. So I know I need to pay it back. Sure. Another good money move and another true confession from Michelle today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this what act- happens when Jenna goes unscripted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, real good information today. Um, it was fun. You know what? Uh, so, Jen, I'm going to throw it back to you, and you can tell us where we can get some more information about making good money moves. Yeah, of course. I always encourage everyone to check out our website, firstalliancecu.com. Um, we've got tons of great resources out there, um, resource pages, online links to resources we don't necessarily have on our page, calculators you can use, worksheets you can download, um, anything that you need to start getting a handle on your finances and start making good money moves for yourself, we have it available. Um, Of course, you can find all the past episodes of Good Money Moves um, on firstalliancecu.com slash podcast or on krocnews.com. You can also subscribe to this show on Apple, Google, Spotify, and tune in podcasting services. Just look for Good Money Moves. Um, Of course, though, if you have specific questions about um, making good money moves, about financial literacy in general, you just want to get more knowledgeable about your finances, maybe help with a budget, something along those lines, you know, just reach out to us at First Alliance Credit Union. Our advisors are here to kind of give you guidance and point you in the right direction without any judgments. Um, It's really what we're here for. And you don't necessarily have to be a member yet just to ask us questions. So just shoot us an email, send us a form online, live chat with us. We're here to help any way we can. All right. Thanks again, Jenna. Thanks, Michelle. Talk to you next week with Good Money Moves when we continue on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM.